Lord did a good day's work when he led Stan here, and I'm grateful for he and his family being here and for him being a part of our church staff. Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5. We've talked about love, talked about joy, and now we're going to talk about peace. I am a child of the 60s. I was born in the 50s, but I'm a child of the 60s. My teenage years were lived when everybody had peace signs and everybody walked around saying, peace, brother, and most people talking about peace didn't know what they were talking about. John Lennon said we should give peace a chance. Cat Stevens told us we should get on a peace train. And Three Dog Night said the world talks about peace and what we need is peace of mind. I know a lot of people that need peace of mind. Fretful, they're anxious, they're worried, they're uptight. Life's not going the way they wanted it to. Life has not turned out the way they had anticipated that it would. Things didn't fall their way. They didn't get the job that they wanted. Their marriage didn't turn out to be what they thought it would be. All kinds of things happening in people's lives, and they have no peace in their life. I, I want to just give you an example of how much we are in tune with trauma and stress and anxiety as opposed to peace. And now this is a cooperative effort here, okay? So this requires group participation. I'm going to start a sentence, and I'm going to ask you to finish it. Number one, I'm at the end of my... Good. <laughs> I'm ready to throw in the... My whole life is falling. I'm at wits. Good, class. Y'all did well. Eh, take the rest of the night off. No, not really. Tranquilizer sales are at an all-time high. Americans take 15 billion aspirin a day. The leading group in America for committing suicide is ages 75 to 79. The second leading group are teenagers. So it doesn't matter whether you're young and have all your life to look forward to or whether you're at the end of life, the life is full of despair in this country. People don't have any peace. They don't see any hope in their future. And how do we as God's people respond to this need for the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit of peace to be in our lives? Well, the first thing I want us to do is I want us to talk about what is peace. Number one, Peace is the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. If I'm going to have peace, then I have to make the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. There is no peace outside the will of God. If God wants you in ministry and you're running from it, you'll never be happy. There'll never be any peace until you've adjusted yourself to the will of God. Whatever God has for your life, it is found in His will, and in His will is found peace. So what God tells you to do, do it. Secondly, peace is a gift of God, found only in the hearts of innocent children and trusting believers. Peace is a gift of God. You ever heard somebody say they're sleeping like a baby. Peace is a gift of God. It's found only in the hearts of innocent children and trusting believers. Number three, peace is a state of inner 
security. Again, we're talking about what happens on the inside of us. It is a state of inner security. Now, the Hebrew word shalom means tranquility of order. In fact, one of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. It is not the absence of problems, but it is a tranquility of order that God gives to us within us by His Spirit. And so Jesus, God is called the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom. Jesus is called the Prince of what? Peace, the Prince of Peace. You see, what that tells me is that the Holy Spirit produces peace inside of us. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and Jehovah is the God of Peace. That tells me that there's no panic and no chaos in the Godhead. That no matter what is going on, no matter what's happening, God is not in a panic in any of His three persons. God is not in a panic tonight. He has never been and never will be. He is the God of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Spirit of Peace. And so because of that, He tells us how we can live. Now I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48. Because there is a key here and it just keeps coming up over and over again. And I guess it's because God knows that we need repetition as a learning method. But in Isaiah 48, God tells us one of the ways that peace comes. How do we get peace in our life? What is it? How do we get it? It's tranquility of order. And so Isaiah 48 in verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. If you had only paid attention to my commandments, here's an if-then. You always need to look at if-thens in Scripture. Here's an if, then this will happen. It's a conditional. If you had only paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being, that word is peace in Hebrew, shalom, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Now, what is the condition for your peace being like a river and your righteousness being like the waves of the sea? Obeying God's commands. You see, people want peace, but they don't want to do what God says. They want to have the peace of God, but they don't want to do what God tells them to do. God says through Isaiah, if you want peace, you will have it like a flowing river coming out of your life if you'll do one thing, just obey what I've told you to do. You know, obedience is hard. It doesn't matter whether you're a 4-year-old, a 14-year-old, or a 44-year-old, or an 84-year-old. Obedience is hard, isn't it? I mean, we don't want to obey. We think we know what's best, but God says, if you want peace in your life, do what I say. Do it when I say it. Do it how I say it. And don't argue with me about it. God is very cut and dried. You want this, you do this. If you do this, then I'll do that. If you want peace, then obey my commandments. Now, the word shalom is the Hebrew word. The Greek word is irene. It is used 90 times in the Greek New Testament. It is translated 240 times in the Greek Old Testament. In the New Testament, the word root means to join or to set at one. When you and I are at peace with God, we are joined 
are set at one with God. That means that we're separated from God until God brings peace to us. That we are removed from the wrath of God. We are taken out from under the wrath of God. There's a sense of abatement of God's wrath when we are walking in God's peace. And it implies, in fact, that God's peace is only possible when we're joined with God. No matter how peaceful and serene people seem, they are not at peace until they have been joined with God. Their hearts linked up with God's heart. The word is irene 90 times. Now, what are the evidence? Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. So God's peace is different from what the world's peace is. God's peace is unique, and Paul talks about it from three perspectives. First of all, he talks about peace with God. We'll turn to Romans 5. Peace with God. Romans chapter 5. You see, peace doesn't have anything to do, again, with positive circumstances or with everything going your way. Peace has to do with a right relationship with God. My peace I give to you. God says, through Jesus Christ, His Son, I'm giving you this. And it's not what the world thinks. I'm giving you something different. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, real reconciliation comes by real means and at a real price and brings real peace. Notice what he says. We've been justified through faith. Therefore, we have peace with God. How? Through Jesus. You and I will never have peace until we have, first of all, peace with God. And when you have peace with God, you don't have to fear His wrath. You don't have to fear His judgment because you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a little section there boxed off in your notes. I want you to look at it, and then we're just going to go and look at the response to it. Disobedience leads to disorder. Disorder leads to dismay. Dismay leads to distress. Distress leads to depression, and depression can result in despair. But what's God's answer to that? If we have peace with God, then for disobedience, there is redemption. God's redemptive power is the cure for our disobedience. For our disorder, there is reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God in Christ. And then for our dismay and our distress and depression and despair, there's reassurance. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give I unto you. Now, peace with God is number one. If you do not have peace with God, if you have not reached that point where you've been justified through faith, you can never have peace. And tonight if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you need to have peace with God. And the only way you get that is through Jesus Christ. You don't get it by going to church. You don't get it by being baptized or by walking an aisle or by being sincere. You get it one way, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. A peace with God is, first of all, secondly, the peace of God. Now, Paul, in his writings, often ties, especially in, when he's signing off or when he's beginning a letter especially, he ties grace and peace together. Paul had this tendency of tying these words together. Joy is tied in with the word grace. 
peace is tied in with the word grace. Paul would always sign off, grace and peace be unto you in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Grace your relationship with God. Peace your relationship with one another. The peace of God. Is there a quote by Matthew Henry there in your notes? Okay, you need to write this one down. The peace of God will keep you from sinning under your troubles and from sinking under them. The peace of God will keep us from sinning under our troubles and from sinking under them. God's peace keeps you from sinning and from sinking. Now, turn if you would to Colossians chapter 3. Are you ready? Are you through right now? Am I taking you too fast? Colossians 3 and verse 15. I love this verse. This is an easy verse for me to understand because I, I can understand something about athletics, so it's an easy one for me to comprehend. Colossians 3 and verse 15. Let the peace of Christ, what? Rule in your hearts since you were called to peace. Now that word rule only appears here in the New Testament. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. The word means to umpire. Let the peace of God umpire your heart. God's peace is His internal umpire that He places in your heart to control your life. Now what does an umpire do? He makes you play by the rules, doesn't he? He tells you what's fair and he tells you what's foul. He calls the bum out. He tells you when you're safe. He tells you when you're out. That's what God's peace does. When you're going out there and you're living in some kind of way and you're walking and making some kind of decisions that are not in line with the will of God, remember what we talked about, that it's in the, the peace of God comes in the will of God? When you're walking outside the will of God, you don't have peace. You know why? Because the peace of God, if it's ruling in your heart, is umpiring and saying, that's a foul ball. You don't need to go there. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be that way. You don't need to act that way. You don't need to respond that way. You, you don't need to say that. You don't need to think that. Paul says, let the peace of God umpire your life. Let God call the shots. You quit trying to decide how big your strike zone is and how much you can get away with, and you quit trying to move the foul lines, and you quit trying to change the rules, and let God's peace rule and control and umpire the boundaries of your life. Don't try to tell God what's a fair ball in your life. You let God tell you. You let God control what's fair and what's foul. You let God decide what's right and what's wrong. Don't let the other team or other people or folks in the stands or people in the dugout or public opinion polls or anybody else tell you what's fair and what's foul. You let God tell you what's fair and what's foul. You let God decide. Let God rule and reign in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart since you were called to peace. In other words, the peace of God arbitrates your heart. You want a decision? If you need a ruling, the peace of God. Lord, should I go here? Should I take this job? Should I be involved in this? The peace of God. If you don't have the peace of God, don't go there. If you don't have the peace of God, don't do it. 
Now, don't talk yourself into it. Well, I've got the peace of God. It, I, you know the difference between when it's, you've talked yourself into something and God's given you a peace to do it. I am convinced that I can talk myself and have perfect peace about it into a new car every six months. <laughs> and believe it's the will of God for my life. My wife just looks at me every time I say, you know, every time I say, well, look at this car, honey. She said, why are you talking to me about cars? And I always try to tell her, honey, at least it's not other women. <laughs> and then she smarts off and says, it could be cheaper. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Not what you decide and then you ask God to give you peace about it, but what God decides in advance and He gives you peace about it. Now, Philippians chapter 4. Great passage. Philippians 4, verses 7 through 9. And we're not going to take time tonight to get into all of this. This is a whole message in itself in these ways that Paul uses this, but I'm just going to kind of take you through it very quickly as it relates to this peace ruling in your heart. Philippians 4 and verse 7, and the peace of God, underline peace of God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, now this is if the peace of God is guarding your heart and mind. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And if you do that, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now look at verse 7. The peace of God, verse 9, the God of peace. Two things. First of all, the peace of God is the human experience. And the God of peace is the divine provision. The peace of God is the human experience. We can experience the peace of God. The God of peace is the divine provision. God hasn't given us stuff. He's given us Himself. God didn't give us a how-to book. He gave us a Holy Spirit. God didn't give us a method. He gave us a person. God says, I will be the God of peace. If you'll do these things, if you'll think about these things, if you'll dwell on these things, if you'll focus your life this way, I'll show up myself. Not only will you have the peace of God, but you'll have the God of peace. Not only will you have what I can give you with my hand, you will have my very heart. Now remember, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, Jesus the Prince of Peace, the Spirit of Peace, God says, when you do what I tell you to do, I'll be right there with you. My peace I will give to you. And not just a gift, I'm going to give you my very self in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to give you some R words. You know, I have to have it simple. It has to be simple for me. If it's not simple for me, it doesn't work. R number 1, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, is rejoice. Did anybody rejoice all afternoon? Some of you did. Okay, good. We were walking out. And <laughs> we were walking out of church and going to get in the car, and Terry said, uh, if you're not a joy to live with this afternoon, I'm going to tell the whole church. <laughs> so 
I was on my best behavior, boy, I'm telling you. I said, Did I do okay this afternoon? That was, was it okay? You sure? Okay, good. I'll be a grouch tonight then. <laughs> Philippians 4, 4, rejoice. Philippians 4, 5, relax. Relax. Don't be so uptight. You just rest in the Lord. Philippians 4, 7, rest. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 8, renew. You're supposed to renew the way you think. And Philippians 4, 9, be receptive. Receive the God of peace. Now, Paul writes, the peace of God shall guard your hearts. When the word guard is used there, it's a military term. It's a sentry. God sets his sentry over your heart. And what he's saying is this, is that the gift of peace is on the inside and the guardian of peace is on the outside. God comes in and God stands around you and he gives you peace. God comes in you and he says, I'm going to give you peace inside of you. But the peace of God will guard your hearts. Set a wall, set a sentry, set a guard, station a garrison in front of your hearts so that when you come under attack, your peace is not disturbed. You may be in the middle of a spiritual warfare. You may be in the middle of a battle. You may be confronting the enemy. You may be opposing some things that are wrong in this world. And in the middle of all that, God says, I'll guard your heart so that you have peace. I don't care what people say about you. I don't care what somebody does to you. I don't care how people respond. It doesn't matter how the world acts. I'll guard your heart. I'll put a shield of peace between you and the world. John, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? John works for Operation Rescue. Not a very popular job. You know what you do when you have to do that? You have to quit listening to the, what the world says. And you have to start listening to what God's saying inside you. God's peace that comes in you, but also goes around you. That you sense the presence of God. The God of peace shall guard your hearts. And so peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. When I have peace with God and peace, the peace of God, it's not the absence of trouble. It's the very presence of God in my life. And how do I know it? I have a peace which surpasses all comprehension. Boy, how can you be calm in a situation like that? How, how can you be like you are in a situation like that? Because what God has given me passes all comprehension. I tell you, there are moments, folks, when I get out of those moments and I step back and I look at myself and I know the only reason that I held myself together was because of the peace of God. It wasn't because of me. I know that God gave me the grace to go through it. God gave me the grace to respond correctly. There are times when I know that what I have done and how I have responded, and I don't always do this, but I know that what I've done and how I've responded is beyond my comprehension. And I tell you what else, it's beyond the world's comprehension when you have peace when your world is falling apart. The world doesn't understand. The world says, lash out, get even, sue, get revenge, get your rights, stand up for yourself. And God says, you just walk in my peace and I'll take care of you. 
isn't God's way better than the world's way? I mean, isn't it really? Just to let the God of peace rule, to be in charge, to let him take control. He says he will, when we do that, he will guard our hearts. In verse 9, the God of peace shall be with you. I don't raise your hands. But sometimes there are folks who love the Lord who go to bed worried and anxious at night. I love the story Vance Havner used to tell. He said, listen, Jesus is already going to be up all night. Why don't you go to sleep and let him stay up? When you're worried, when you're fearful, when you're anxious, when you're fretful, let the Lord stay up. And let him give you rest. And let him give you peace. And let him give you what the world cannot provide. Now, there's peace with God. There's the peace of God. And thirdly, there's a peace with others. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. Romans 12 and verse 18. Now, we're going to do a some quick turning in the scriptures to get through this message. So uh, just kind of lick your thumb, you know, and get ready if you don't have a thumb index Bible. I, I love what Howard Hendricks says. Howard Hendricks says, If you came to church and you don't have your Bible, I'm assuming you got it memorized. I'll call on you. <laughs> I like what Sam Cathy said. You might as well come to church without your clothes on. It's come to church without your Bible. Well, don't come to church without your clothes on, okay? And we'll get you a Bible if you need one. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God, I wish God hadn't said that. Ah. <laughs> You ever wish God didn't say so? You ever wish God would just mind his own business for a while and just leave you alone? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, well, Lord, what about them? He didn't say as far as it depends on them. He said as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Lord, you mean I got to be nice to everybody? Yep, as far as it's possible, as it depends on you. If all the cards are in your deck and everything's in your hand and it's up to you, you live at peace with all men. Now, is that tough for anybody else besides me? This way means yes, this way means no. You ever have a day at work like Friday? You're ready to go home and somebody really irritating walks in and just ruins your whole week? This is not the first verse that comes to mind, is it? The first verse that comes to mind is, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. <laughs> Which is, if it's possible for you, if it depends on you, let the problem be with the other person, not with you. Now, let's read it again. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
There's only one way you can do that. That's if you truly understand the peace with God and the peace of God. Then you can have peace with others. But folks, I'm going to tell you, if you don't have your peace relationship right with God, it won't be right with anybody else. It just can't be. Because you can't be right with God and be wrong with other people, and you can't be wrong with other people and be right with God. It's an impossibility. Paul says, hey, do your best to be at peace with all people. Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32. Let me just read you some verses. If you can read and, and write down these references at the same time, I'll save you from turning to them. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, Follow peace with all men. Ephesians 4, 3, Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And Isaiah 32 and verse 17, And the work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. Then my people will live in a peaceful habitation and in secure dwellings and in undisturbed resting places. You say, I can't. You're right. But he can. But I can't live at peace with all men. You're right. But he can. Through you. Oswald Chambers says, now boy, this is good. I love Oswald Chambers. If you want to have to think, you have to read Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers says, if you allow anything to hide the face of Jesus Christ from you, you are either disturbed or you have a false security. What are you allowing tonight to hide the face of Jesus from you? Is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it a situation? What is it that hides the face of Jesus from you? You see, you'll never be at peace with others until you get the thing that stands between you and Jesus out of your view. And you get your focus back on Him. Now, what do you do to have peace? Tozer says one of the greatest hindrances to internal peace which the Christian encounters is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. There is no such thing as sacred and secular. We are to be holy as unto the Lord. That's what the scripture tells us. And so I want to give you some suggestions to have peace. Number one, respond to the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Just let God's Holy Spirit do His work. Just let Him do what He came inside you to do. Number two, obey the Word. Obey the Word. 1 Peter 3, 11 says, Seek peace. Turn, if you would, you're still in Romans 12, I think. Turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14 and verse 19. So then, and one of these days we're going to get in Romans 14, but we've got to get through Romans 6, 7, and 8 sometime in the fall. Romans 14 and verse 19. So then, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That's what the Word says. I'll just say it again. I don't write the stuff, I just preach it. You know, this is what God says we're supposed to do. 
1 Peter 3.11, seek peace. Romans 12.18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 14.19, so then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Guess what? If we're not doing that, then we are living in sin. It's that simple. You can try to gloss it over. You can try to blow it off. You can try to say that's somebody else's problem. But the truth of the matter is that if we aren't making the efforts to do that, then we're living in sin. Obey the Word. Number three, learn to cultivate silence. Psalm 131. Let me ask you to turn to Psalm 131. Boy, this is a big one. In fact, I, I really didn't see this one until I'd done enough studying on it to to figure out that this was a major factor in having peace. Learn to cultivate silence. Psalm 131 and verse 1. Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Oh, man. I remember when my kids were growing up. There's nothing that is more peaceful looking than a baby asleep against its mother. Moms, you know what I'm talking about? When that little baby just kind of rests in there and, and the whole world could be blowing up and that baby is just sound asleep against his mother. God says, cultivate the kind of peace in your life that you can just rest against me. And your soul is like a weaned child. You have to cultivate silence. How do you do that? Turn the television off. Turn the radio off. Don't listen to Christian music. Don't read Christian books. Just sit alone with your Bible and your God and let God speak to you. You're never going to get the peace of God by trying to throw Christian stuff at your brain. You're going to get the peace of God by reading the Word of God from the God of peace who will put that Word in your heart and in your head. When are we going to have some peace and quiet around here? When we make some choices to cultivate silence. When Jesus got alone with his Father, he didn't take the masses. He went by himself. He got away from the crowd. Somebody said one time, the preacher that's always available isn't worth much when he is available. And that's true. You see, I can't have anything to offer you until I've been alone with God enough that He's offered something to me. And if I don't have anything from Him, I don't have anything to give you. And by the way, if you don't have anything from Him, you don't have anything to give anybody else either. You have to cultivate silence. We love to be in groups. We love to be in crowds. We love. We got a herd mentality. You know, we're just like a bunch of cattle just moving across the face of the earth. We love to be in a crowd. We love to be in groups. But God says, I want you to get alone and be like a weaned child in your soul. Number four, 
Watch your associates. Psalm 120 and verse 6. Well, this is a powerful verse. Students, this is a good verse for you when you're deciding who's going to be your friends, but it's a good verse for all of us. Watch your associates. Psalm 120 and verse 6. Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now, folks, listen. Watch your associates if you want to have peace because you become like the people you spend time with. Why do you become like the people you spend time with? If you spend time with people who are always running around like chickens with their heads cut off, you're going to start running around like a chicken with your head cut off. If you're around people who cultivate the right things inside of you, you will cultivate the right things inside of your life. Paul said, Be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Watch your associates. One of the reasons you may not have peace in your life is because you're spending too much time with people who are at war with God. And if you're spending too much time with people who are at war with God, guess what? You're not going to have any peace because you're always going to be trying to convince them they don't need to be at war. And sometimes those people are inside the church. Sometimes those people call themselves Christians. Spend time with the right kind of people, the people that encourage you to cultivate silence, the people that encourage you to obey the Word, the people that encourage you to respond to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Number five, is it five? Develop a biblical mindset. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Develop a biblical mindset. Galatians 6.14. But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. By what rule? crucified with Christ. You see, folks, your peace only comes when you begin to think like Jesus thinks and do what Jesus does and be what Jesus was being when he was on this earth. When you model and mentor and live and develop and envelop your life around the person of Jesus Christ, your boasting is not in what you're doing your boasting is on what God has done in you and what God is doing for you and what God by His grace is doing through you. You develop a biblical mindset. Finally, you just ask God to give you His peace. You know, we quote that verse in Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. I tell you, one of the greatest and mightiest things God can do is give you peace in a time when you're panicked. 
mean, God may not need to move a mountain in your life. He may just need to calm you down. Ask God to give you His peace. Now, I want to read you a few verses out of Acts chapter 12 out of the message translation of the Scriptures. And I love the way it translated this, so I just want to read it to you. You can follow along in Acts chapter 12. It's a familiar story. Peter is in prison. He's about to be killed. Herod's decided that he's going to kill some Christians. He's going to make an example of Simon Peter. And so he's thrown him in jail, and he's about to kill him. Now, I want you to listen to these words. You can follow along in whatever you've got in Acts chapter 12. But this is a great translation when you're trying to get the picture. King Herod got it in his head to go after some of the church members. He murdered James. He arrested Peter. All this during Passover week, and he had them thrown into jail. He was planning a public lynching after Passover. All the time that Peter was there, he was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, and the church prayed for him most strenuously. Then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. And that night, even though shackled to two soldiers, Peter slept like a baby. (laughs) I love that. Here's a guy that the next day is going for a hanging. He's going for a lynching. Herod's going to kill him. He's shackled to two soldiers. That was not a posturepedic mattress that he was on. A hard, smelly, stinky, rat-infested jail surrounded by two soldiers who cared less about whether he was comfortable or not. And here's old Simon Peter over there. Why? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, God's people were praying. God's people were praying. Do you pray for people who are going through hard times? One of the ways that they will have peace is that God's people are praying. The church was praying for Simon Peter. Now, they must have been Baptists because Simon Peter got out and they didn't believe it because Baptists usually don't believe that God will ever answer their prayers. They just feel like they're obligated to do it. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in prison. We're praying for you. What are you doing? How'd you get out? Well, you prayed and God answered. That's impossible. Have you ever met a Christian who got disappointed that somebody got well that was almost dead? What are you doing back? You were supposed to be dead. Well, God raised me up. The church was praying. I got all these prayer cards, and and I'm still here. Well, golly. Bought a new dress for the funeral. Number one, God's people were praying. Number two, God's man was sleeping. (laughs) You know why? Because he learned to rest and relax in the Lord. Now, remember, here's Simon Peter, always putting his foot in his mouth until Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled his life and he preached with boldness and he stood without apology and he did not have any fear. And now here's a guy who would have done anything to keep from getting into trouble, who would have done anything to avoid persecution. But once the Spirit filled his life, facing death itself, Peter said, I think I'll just take a nap here. Number three, God was working while Peter was sleeping and people were praying. By the way, that means that God's working when you sleep tonight too.
And God is working when people are in that intercessory prayer chapel praying for you. I remember E.B. Hill saying a number of years ago, he said, you know, he said, my intercessory prayer chapel at my church is filled every hour of every day except the hours between 2 and 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday mornings. He said, I try to never fly during those hours. He said, I want to make sure I'm always covered. God was working because people were praying and Simon Peter was trusting him. Now, your peace of God is in direct proportion to your awareness of the presence of God. Your peace with God is in direct proportion to your awareness of the presence of God. So whatever you're going through, whatever's happening, whatever turmoil you've got that's ahead of you, just remember one thing. God's people are praying, and you can rest in the Lord. Great is the Lord, and worthy of glory. Great is the Lord, and worthy of praise. Thank you for watching the Sherwood Hour from Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. We would enjoy hearing from you with your comments or how we may be able to meet a need in your life. If you'd like to get in touch with us, just write to the address that you see on the screen or call us at area code 912-883-1910. That's area code 912-883-1910. Now, if you'd like a copy of today's message, just call us or request it by mail. Be sure to ask for the tape number that you see at the bottom of your screen. Once again, we are delighted that you've joined us for the Sherwood Hour today and invite you to join us again real soon as we worship the true and living God together. Oh, Lord. Oh.